0: Thank you. You can be seated. You can be opening your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Today's sermon is entitled, Dead End to New Life. And uh, I only used part of what I really wanted to say in that title, just to make you pause and think for a moment, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I want to make you aware of, of an event coming as the choirs coming down. Because we want every member of Calvary to be involved, if possible... And uh, the if possible is if you'll come and do it. But on July 28th, our young people will be in the last day of an event that we call E-NOW, which stands for Evangelism Now. Uh, About four years ago, Pastor Todd was taking our kids to, or we had a group coming in to do a D-NOW, meaning discipleship now, to teach them about the Lord and growing in their faith. And then he thought, you know, they need to do something about it. And uh, so he started taking them out like six months later. They do that around January, February. And so in the summer, he would take them out locally to live out their faith by sharing it with other people. And he called it Enow. Very, as he said, very ingenious, don't you think? Um, uh, I, I love Brother Todd. I and mean, they are in, uh, on their way to Puerto Rico. And uh, so, anyway, um, so they've been doing that. And I've been here. This will be my third year here to, to be at, at, at that time. And I was impressed from the very beginning. And some of those kids, they've, uh, they've failed a call to missions already, and they're looking at that. And a lot of those guys are going to Puerto Rico this morning. But we, this year, we wanted everybody to get involved. And at first, it was kind of simple. We want the adults to kind of go out with them. And, and I've been telling everybody I was going to use this line, so I'm going to use it right now. We want the adults to go out with them, not to teach them or protect them, but to learn from them. <laughs> Because those kids got it, man. I'm telling you, they're after it. But no, seriously, we do want adults to go. And, and cut down the brights on me just a touch. Sorry, my eyes can't take too much of that. Um, and y'all's eyes are, can't take too much of me. So anyway, so <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's on July 28th. And it'll be after church. We're going to have a meal. We're going to go out. We were talking to some leaders yesterday. There were some leaders couldn't be there for many different reasons. Uh, so we're going to keep recruiting leaders to recruit you to do it. And we're going to have a sign-up probably by next week if it's not already out there. I don't think we have it th- today. But, uh, but we want you to sign up. If you say, I don't know what I can do, just sign up. It'll be all right. And then we'll figure it out as we go. But we need to know how many people will be showing up. And we're just going to go into our community on Sunday afternoon from about 1 to 4, then come back, report on what God has done and, uh, and, and rejoice together in that. So I wanted to, I wanted to emphasize that. I'm going to emphasize it every Sunday between now and July 28th. Uh, one of my favorite music groups uh, of, of any day was a Christian group called Petra. They finally disbanded after decades. And, but they had a song uh, called, there, uh, the first line was, There's a higher place to go beyond belief. In other words, belief is good, but then when you put it into practice, that's even better. And so we're going to give you the opportunity to do that and to grow in your own faith. Man, Man, we, this morning, did you hear all those songs we were singing? Not only about our own salvation, about, but about Jesus coming back. If you're my age or, and you were going to church uh, back in the day, in the 70s, the second coming of Christ was like the most popular topic. Everybody was talking about it. And, and I don't agree with what everybody said about everything. One guy said, I don't understand eschatology. That's why I said, that's okay, it's not the end of the world, but... Thank you, uh, eschatology is study of the end of the world. But anyway, in case you don't know, I don't assume everybody knows all those words. But anyway, uh, but, but we were just talking about that. And I tell you, as a teenager in 1976, I became convinced Jesus was going to come back July 4th, 1976. I don't know why, but that, you know, I didn't tell anybody that because the Bible warns against setting a date. But I just was all day. I was, that was the only July 4th I was ever kind of depressed about. On the 200th anniversary, I was like, the country's going to fall. Jesus going to come back. You know, I just didn't know. I was 16. Give me a break. But, uh, but we were expecting it. We were expecting Jesus to come out. And, and oh, thank you, Elizabeth, for singing uh, that song this morning. She was she sang the first Sunday I was ever here. And uh, I, I always love to hear her sing, but not be, but because she does it with, with belief and feeling and, and her whole heart. You know Jesus' the second coming is closer than it's ever been. Y'all understand that, right? You know, somebody said, "Well, I hadn't come back in two thousand years. Well, that's two thousand good reasons why it could be any time now." <laughs> uh, and and we lived as if Jesus was coming back today. I, and that's the question it begs for me is, if Jesus, if you knew Jesus were coming back today, what would you do? What would you do differently? If you do anything differently, you're not living as if you expect Him to ever come back. And so. It begs a question for us when Jesus comes, what will he find us doing? What will we be doing? When, when I was new in ministry as a young, young guy, young person, I got a question a lot. I get a lot of questions, number one, and I don't know the answers to half of them, but but I get a lot of questions. But the question I got repeatedly asked, so much so that I have a whole like Bible study, discipleship study thing that I wrote up to do on. How do I discern or how do I understand and know the will of God in my life? And, and I have to confess, after 40 years in the ministry, I don't get asked that question a lot anymore. And so as I was looking at this sermon and thinking about it, I thought, why not? Why don't people just walk up to me and go, man, I'm struggling with it. How do you know the will of God? Now, I'm going to help you with that today, I hope, looking at this story. but But... I, I don't remember the last time someone asked me that question. and I, Keep your finger in Acts, but look over at, at James 4, because there's a warning in what James says uh, in James 4. If you don't know where that is, uh, you can kind of go to the very back and start going toward the front. It's, it's, it's close to that. It's right after Hebrews, uh, after James 1st, 2nd Peter, then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. So if you go to Revelation, go that way, you find it. But in James 4, and I'm going to read four verses. And I'm going to do this twice today. This isn't the text I'm, we're going to read. But, but in James 4, beginning verse 13, James gives us a warning. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You've heard that one line out of their many funerals that life is just a mist, it appears for a little while and then vanishes away. But we rarely put it into context and think about what. James is trying to get us to understand. And that is, you don't know you're going to get to supper tonight. Much less see a dawn of a new day. And so don't be bragging about it. And notice what James tells us to do. Say, if the Lord wills and we live, we'll do this. Do you catch his attitude? His attitude is, I don't even know if I'll be here tomorrow. So I'm going to do everything I can today. But if the Lord wills and I... Survive another day. Then I'm. This is my plan. My parents taught me a little bedtime prayer, and I was a kid. You've you've all heard it. Lord, I lay me now. I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Right? Because that's a possibility every night. I, I know I sound weird and warped, uh, but I I grew up with my dad. So sorry. <laughs> Who taught me today was the only day I had. Yesterday's gone. No need to grieve over that because you can't go back. And you don't know tomorrow's coming. So you better do everything you can today. And you started drilling that in me when I was a very wee lad. very young. Uh, sitting up on the bathroom counter while he shaved and he talked to me. Listen, I don't hear that question. And, and here's why I, I think I don't hear the question. How do I know God's will? It's because we don't want to know God's will. That's the only answer to that, right? Why aren't people seeking God's will? Because it costs us, we think, to follow God's will. And it does cost. The Bible says it costs. The Bible, in fact, makes that. We've tried to make Christianity costless. And so no wonder nobody's getting saved because it does cost something and we lie to people. Oh, come to Jesus, everything will get better. No, you come to Jesus, everything might get worse. Jesus said, in in this world you will suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer in me you have peace. And I've overcome the world. So no matter what the world does to me here, people always say, how's the world treating you? When I was a kid, that was a common greeting. I, I don't hear that much anymore either. But maybe you've heard it. Hey, how's the world treating you? And I learned to say, not very well, but it's okay. The Lord's treating me great. <laughs> right? I mean, he saved me from my sin. I'm going to heaven. So who cares what happens between now and then? It's, it's fine. But we don't want to sacrifice our time. We don't want to sacrifice our hobbies. We don't want to sacrifice our Children for the will of God. And here we got Paul who is trying to do the will of God. And I'm going to carefully explain this as we go. But he gets thwarted and God changes the will. And that dead end that he saw becomes a channel to life for others. Now that's kind of a misleading statement that I gave you there at the title. And, and I want to clarify it as we go forward. So if you'll stand with me, I'm going to read Acts 16, 6 through 10. It's only five verses. won't take but a second. But I want you to get the context so as I go forward uh, we'll have that together. And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came, uh, had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray that uh, Lord, number one... um, that, that I would see my own sin first. I pray for each person. They would pray that prayer. Lord, I can't judge my neighbor. I don't know enough about him to do that. You know all things. You're the only right and true judge. So, Lord, I pray that you show me my sin, that I could judge my own sin by your spirit. Repent and be right with you. And then, Lord, we pray that you would open up your word to our understanding another thing only the Holy Spirit can do to make us understand what you're trying to say to us. And Lord, as I apply this story, I pray, God, that I would not do violence to your scripture and that, uh, Lord, indeed, it would be a, a fruitful application. Lord, we pray that if you speak to us today, we will obey. If you call us to anything, we will do it. That we would make our prayer anything, anytime, anywhere. And, Lord, we ask you now, to resist our enemy for us, that you would rebuke him for us, that you would give us protection, camp your mightiest angels about us. May the believers here do spiritual warfare, both before service, during service, and after service, that God, we would uh, bind the strong man, that we might spoil his house. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope y'all read ahead this week into the scripture. Next week, I'll pick up in verse 11, so you can go ahead and read ahead. I don't know where I'll stop, but that's where I'll start. Here's here's the statement I want you to take home with you today. When you don't know which way to go, do the right thing where you are. Now, I just took that out of the text, because Paul tries to go a couple places, can't go. But I want you to catch this, because it's very important in discovering the will of God. You know the will of God, you just don't know where He wants you to do it. So do the will of God where you are, and then He'll tell you where to go and do it. Paul didn't do anything differently in Macedonia. He's doing where he was. He's like, man, we're preaching. It's great. Let's go this way. And he started. and God said, no, no, no. I don't want you to go that way. Okay. Well, let's go over here. We're preaching. We're God. Let's go this way. God, no, 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 no. And then that night gives him a vision. He goes, oh, okay. Is that it? No checking the spirit. And he goes. Now, let me just tell you this text, again, is why you and I are Christians today. Because he's crossing over the Med into Europe. It's Greek. It's Greece? I mean, uh, bottom part of Greece. But he's moving now into Europe. There in Israel, I was so fascinated. I never thought about this fully till we, my wife and I, got to visit Israel. And that is, it touches three continents: Europe, Asia, and Africa. And so it's, it is the like uh, almost the center point of all things that have ever happened. They kind of center in there. And so here's Paul in the center. And he's trying to go in one direction. Might have led him a little further east into the Mideast and further east. And God says no. And he's going up kind of northernly, Going up into Russia. there. No, no, no. Go this way. And as he went in that direction, the gospel starts spreading in that direction. And our ancestors crossed from that section to America. And so you and I sit here. And so I call this everywhere you turn here at the beginning have you ever had one of those days everywhere you turn, it just wasn't going right? Oh, yeah, man. Those, those are kind of common, aren't they? I, I remember being in school, and this kid came, 8 o'clock breakfast. He sat down in a huff. He was from, he was from Arkansas. And he was, oh, and he was a great guy, man. We all loved him. We said, what's wrong, man? He said, man, it's been a long day already. We said, what do you mean? He said, I couldn't find, you know, I didn't have any clean socks. I couldn't find two shoes that matched. I'm on academic probation. It's just been a long day already. He just he was struggling, man. He was just struggling. And some days you have that day, and you kind of get that sense. Here's Paul. He's doing what God called him to do, and he can't seem to do it because the Spirit said, Nope, 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 not here, go there. You know, it doesn't tell him where to go. He says, Don't do it here. And he tries to find another, nope, not here. And then finally he gets the direction. And so the first question I want you to answer for yourself is: what does God ask you to do? Now, I mean that when i ask that question i'm asking in general in your life let me come back to that i've already told you specifically i know what god wants you to do he wants you to be in his word he wants you to be in prayer he wants you to be in fellowship with other believers he wants you to doing all the disciplines of the christian life attending church giving fasting praying all those things where he wants you to do that and all that is, is up for grabs but those are things you ought to be doing all the time right And and the best way I can illustrate what I want to say here is with the birth of my children. I had a daughter, then I had another daughter. And and, and somewhere along the line, Janice got in her mind that I really wanted a son. And we never knew what we're going to have, you know, whether boy or girl. And by the way, those are the only two options. (laughs) There are not 56 genders. There's two genders and 54 mental disorders. That need, need the sanctification of Jesus Christ, by the way. I love those people. They need to no know Lord. I'm not being ugly, but you're not going to find north unless you go, that's north, all right? But anyway, so so she is, is giving birth to Cameron, and I, you know, modern medicine, I got to be in the room. So anyway, so Cameron is born, and the doctor says, it's a girl. This is 22 months after our first daughter was born, and Janice just looks at me, and I'm not you know, busting her here. But she just looked at me and said, what do you think? And I knew what she meant. It's a girl, it's not a boy. What do you think? And I just knew, knowing they were only two years apart, I said, I think weddings are expensive. <laughs> 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 well, fast forward three years, and there's a miracle story with Ian's birth, but I won't get bore you with that right now. But, but Ian is born. And do you know how many people walked at me and said, are you praying he goes in the ministry? And I said, yeah, just like Reggie White in the off season. (laughs) You know, I want to make a million dollars and then preach when he's not playing football or something, you know. But with all three of our children, we never tried to push them into ministry. I mean, we figured Janice is a teacher. I'm a pastor. Our kids are going to be warped enough as it is. And, but we never tried to push them in a direction of, of being anything. We had said, and my son never said he felt a call, but everybody in the church and at their school and everybody knew, him. you're gonna preach, oh, you're gonna be a preacher like you now, all that. And I always told my son, don't listen to anybody else. You listen to God and God alone. Don't listen to me, don't listen to anybody else. You do what God asks you to do. And so he's always felt like he ought to be in business, something, you know, make money. And uh, at 17, he went on the first mission trip he ever went on and went to Africa. And I said, son, I know you don't feel a call to ministry, and I'm not asking you to even try to find that. But I am saying that on a mission trip, you get more sensitive to what God's saying to you. And I just want you to genuinely face the question, what does God want you to do? He said, okay. So he goes to Africa, he comes back, he said, what did God tell you? He said, he told me I was right, that I'm supposed to be a businessman, make a lot of money, and support my sisters. I said, okay, cool, that's fine. Because God can call you to do anything, but whatever you're doing, you do what God called you to do. Well that's speaking job wise, but yours to be a witness wherever you are, no matter what your job is, no matter you know, we, we we like to call people like myself, oh, they're in full time Christian service. I didn't know any Christian wasn't in full time Christian service. God didn't save you and just, oh, that part of your life. Yeah, you're saved. You go to church on Sunday. That's good enough. And you can just ignore me the rest of the time. No. If you're saved, you better be paying attention to God every day, every minute of the day. You better be walking in God's will. Because that's the only way you're going to get through life. If you're just doing something because you've got to do it, that becomes a drudgery. And, and, you know, not everybody has a job that they really enjoy. But when you let God baptize that and you find joy in a being obedient where God has you, then he's free to talk to you to move you. I, I would point out, Paul has a vision, but I, but I would point out the personality of Paul, I don't expect him not to just go anyway. I mean, that's a stubborn dude, right? We know that. He's a strong man. He's like, Lord, I'm going to go here. and he. I call it a check in the spirit. It sounds a lot more plain than that. But Paul feels this God going, no, and he backs up and says, oh, I'm sorry. What, Lord, you don't want me to go that way? Okay, I'm going to go this way. And as he starts, God says, no, 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 not that way. And he backs up says, okay, well, let's sleep on it. And he sleeps on it and God says, gives him a vision. And he wakes up and says, hey, guys, this is what I think God told me. Let's see. Okay, let's go. Boom, God doesn't say anything not to go, so he goes that direction. There, there is a check-in a spirit, and I just expect first time God said no. Paul goes, ah, oh, that's just bad pizza. Go anyway, right? He just would—that's what human Paul would have done. He said, no, I'm going there, and he would have just gone. But he has enough humility. We don't think of humility and Paul sometimes the same breath, but you should. He's got enough humility before God to go. Oh, if God says no, I won't go, because Paul's going to do the same thing anywhere he goes. That is an important principle I want you to get. Wherever you go, do what God tells you to do where you ought to do it anyway. So in verse 9, Paul has this vision, which we read about. In the middle of the night, he sees this man asking him to come uh, to come over. And, and by the way, before, before I go to verse 9, in verses 6 through 8, here's the problem why I, I wrote down on my outline, what do you do when plan A doesn't work? And then under that, I wrote, what do you do when plan B doesn't work? Uh, military guys were taught, what do you do when your backup to your backup fails? So they got at least a triple backup to everything they do. Because if the first thing doesn't work, you got plan B and then plan C because it always fails. Mr. Murphy always shows up. All plans go, out, you know, go away when the first bullet goes by your head. That's another saying. And so in life, man, you, you make a plan. But here's the deal. What is your scorecard for success? Paul's scorecard was not to build a church in those other areas. Paul's scorecard is, am I obeying the will of God? I, you, you got to catch that before we go on to what Paul did do. And that is, God didn't always answer the prayers we pray. He answers the prayers we ought to prayed, Because you're not going to thwart God's will by going out of His will, are you? No. He's got a will. He's going he's to accomplish it. I don't understand how all that works. I'm just saying that for us, we got to listen to what God says. And in verse 9, God sp- speaks to Paul in a very specific way. He hears this plea for help, and a plea for help is not always God's call. We get stuff day after day, week after week, month after month. I get people in church that not hear so much, but, but it just kind of happens. And I get it, I understand it, and it's fine, But there are a lot of good things we could be involved in. If we did everything that we had an opportunity to do, we would never do what God called us to do here. When other people say, well, God, you know, I heard about this, and I think we ought to do that. And I'll say, well, I'll pray about it, you know. But I'm not going to just say yes because it's a good opportunity. So God calls Paul in this instance by an opportunity that came to him in a vision at night. Now, I don't believe God does that that much today. I'm not saying he can't do it. But we have God's word and we have some ways to to understand God's word. But Paul understood that to be a call of God. So here's my point. God spoke to Paul in a way Paul understood. Paul had to have checked it out because he tried to go here and he hits the spirit of God saying no. And so he backs up, no. Uh, Lord, was that vision you? We're going to go this way. And however God stopped him, he doesn't stop him. He goes, okay. Because that's what it says in the end. Understanding this to be the will of God, we went, right? By the way, this is the first time Luke uses the word we in the book of Acts. Before this, it was always they. Now Luke has joined up and he's going with him. And so they follow the will of God. And so I want you to understand, because when people did ask me that question, a lot of times as young guys struggling with a call to ministry, and they would say, how do I know when it's the will of God, the call of God? And I always look out and go, I don't know. Because God speaks to every person in a different way. Do you know that? Everybody understands that in a different way. Some of the calls of God in my life, because it's not a one-time covers-everything call. God calls you, and as you begin to walk in Him, like this, He calls you here, then He calls you there, then He calls you there. Paul's life was replete with God saying, Now go here, go there, go here, go there. Do this, do that, bringing people into his life. And so he was constantly having to make sure he was following the will of God. So I put up there how to understand the will of God. This comes from Henry Blackaby experiencing God, just to give it the due credit. And the first way we know the will of God is the Word of God. Now, this is, this is looking for a specific will of God. all right? Because the general will of God is that we live like Christians wherever we go. We'll read that in Philippians before we leave today. And so, the first thing is, what does God say? Does what I want to do or what I think God wants me to do contradict God's word? Because this is our authority right here. This is what tells us what we should and should not do. What we should and should not obey. I, it always tickles me when I'm talking to somebody about what God said. And they say, well, yeah, I know it says that, but I think. God doesn't give a flip what you think. He doesn't give a flip what I think. What really kills me when they say I feel, because that means they're not thinking at all. Well, I feel that. Well, I don't care what you feel. Because what does that have to do with truth? Nothing. How you feel about truth doesn't make something true or not. Somebody say amen. So the first thing is to know God's word. Then in prayer, asking God what he wants. Because it is in prayer that God opens the word to us. That's what I meant about that. God answers our... The Bible says that the Holy Spirit... Interprets our prayers to God and prays what we should have prayed to God. Now some people say, "See, he's speaking in tongues." No, he didn't say you prayed it. He said the Holy Spirit prays it for us to God. And he says, "This is what he asked for." And that's not what he should have said. Here's what he should have said. And the father says, "Okay, in the name of Jesus, we'll do that." And he sends the right answer. I always thank God for my un, the answers to my unasked prayers, the ones that I had messed up. But God gives me His best anyway that is a thrill to me and then the third thing there is people now that's not just a stranger on the street that's the fellowship of believers once you think God's called you to a certain thing the fellowship of believers will help confirm that in your life they will say yeah we see that in you yeah we 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 believe that's what guys is. not that how Paul and Barnabas went on the first missionary journey they didn't go to church and say hey we think God wants to be missionaries church the Holy Spirit's probably church said make them missionaries okay Paul and Barnabas say, yeah, well, actually, the Lord's been, probably, I, I mean, we don't know if the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and Barnabas, but they were submissive to that will. We believe that they probably got it already hinted to them, hey, you're going to get asked to go on a mission trip because that's what I want you to do. Okay? So it was a very specific call, but God's people confirm it. Let me illustrate that in a negative way. Pretend like I'm not saved and I just got saved. I know that's hard for you because you, you think I was saved when I was born, but I wasn't. That was a joke. Sorry. But but here I am Stewart and I just got saved this week and I go to Pastor Andy and I say, "The Lord saved me." And I heard this song on Christian radio and I think God wants me to sing it in church. Number 1, that's not true for a couple of reasons. Number 1, I'm spiritually immature and I will break my neck falling off the stage. Number 2, I can't sing a lick. And so God, speaking through Pastor Andy, would say something along the lines of, Brother, I appreciate your enthusiasm that God's just saved you, but I don't believe that's your gift. And so let's ask God to show you what he does want you to do that you're gifted to do. You follow that? Now, I, I use that, and it might apply to somebody in here, so I apologize. But, because that happens a lot, by the way. But people can confirm. I was, I, I, I've told this before, but I was an 8-year-old boy, and I said, God's called me to preach. And I had senior adults writing me notes of encouragement to an 8-year-old punk, snotty-nosed, redhead, ADHD kid saying, God's going to use you. I like what Mark Lowry said. He was very ADD. He said, God called him. His mom said, son, God's going to use you greatly, but until then, take this pill, you know. <laughs> It is unreal to me how God's people have always confirmed what God's call to me is. And then the last thing is is circumstances. Don't ever make God use those. Because those are generally negative. Now a lot of us say, Lord, open the door, close the door. But the psalm says, you open the corral gate and the horse will go out. He'll feel led to leave. So you've got to put a bit and a bridle in his mouth to tell him which way to go. Don't, don't always say, Lord, open the door, i got to go through it. No, the devil might open that door. You don't know. You better know God's will before those doors open, is my point. And if you do feel like you need to go through them, go through them in prayer. Because if you will not listen to the will of God, he'll knock you off your horse with a two-by-four. And your circumstance will suddenly change. And God, when he has to speak through circumstance, that's a harsh lesson. And trust me, that comes out of experience as well it's easier to steer a moving ship or a moving vehicle trouble is most people just sit on their blessed assurance and wait for god to move them and god's not going to blow you out of the seat i heard old preacher say one time so many people said well i'm just waiting on the lord to speak to me well he's given us a command why do you need a feeling Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is for all of us. That's not for me and the missionaries. That's for every person in the sound of my voice that is saved. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. is the job of the whole church. Preach the whole gospel to the whole world. That is our job. And that old preacher said, I, I, I was tempted to just wire the pews. And when I saw that fellow back there, row 10, seat 3. Deep and shocking. You know, whoa, yeah, God spoke to you, brother. But I put up there, everyone is different. And I don't mean that God has something different for everyone. He does. But you will understand the will of God differently than I do. And and knowing what God wants of you. And I will never question how you think God speaks to you unless it's contrary to the Bible. It's contrary to the Bible. i say that's not the spirit of God, that's the spirit of Satan. Because it doesn't agree with God's word. God will never lead you contrary to his word. And I've heard preachers do it. And I've probably done it too, so I'm not, not saying that haughtily. But then I want you to understand, look at verse 10. Paul then steps out in faith. And by the way, I'm not a real big guy on there's four ways to do anything. But that, that's a pretty good list right there to help you know the specific will of God. Get in the word, get in prayer. God spoke to me through his word more than once, confirmed by others, and sometimes circumstances. I live with a circumstance that has molded what I do in life. But then Paul just steps out in faith. Once you know the will of God, step out in faith. See what he says there? And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice what they were doing. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel where they were. They were going to preach the gospel where they were going, but God said, no, go this way to preach the gospel. But what they did didn't change. Just where they did changed it. And so they were immediately obedient. They did not hesitate. They didn't wait. Let me just tell you a couple things real quick. The call is always a call to prepare. It's a call to sharpen your ax. It is a call to get ready to do what God's calling you to. Very seldomly does God call you to do something that you are, especially when you're young, that you're ready to do. It's a call, this is where I'm going to take you. Look back at the salvation of Paul in the book of Acts, I'm, I've showed him what he's going to have to suffer for my name. You go help start teaching him and training. And I will also say that what you are doing now is preparing you for the thing you're supposed to be doing. So if you're not following God now, you're not going to do something later. Do you understand that? If you don't hit home runs at home, you're not going to hit home runs in Africa or Asia or South America or Europe or anywhere else. I, I, at the At the At the expense of sounding braggadocious, and trust me, I'm not being that way. But I told you before, I began pastoring at 19. Looking back on it, humanly speaking, I'm not sure that was a good idea. But, you know, I followed that open door policy and got open the door and I started and here I am. So 40 years later. But I already had five years of running a bus in a bus ministry. And shepherding those kids and making sure they got to church, of singing in the adult choir and the youth choir, of going out teenage soul winning, and with the adults soul winning, visiting people, telling them about the Lord. I worked in children's church. I taught Sunday school from time to time. I was a witness at school. I had five years of experience before I ever became a pastor. Do, Do you see what I'm saying? And by the way, young people, most of them are in Puerto Rico and they are living what I'm about to say. The best you got is none too good to give God early. You're not a prize God seeking to get on his side. You are a sinner in need of a holy God that will prepare you to do his will and reward you for that in heaven. And as a beggar who is desperate, you ought to run to him and say, show me your will, I'm willing to do it. And whatever you're going through, and maybe you feel a call and you're frustrated right now, it's okay, God's preparing you. Whatever you're in should be preparation for what God's going to do. I I told you last week, God redeems everything He allows. We were talking about Paul and Barnabas splitting up. God redeemed that. And more people joined Paul's team, and, and Barnabas was able to recover Mark, and he did a lot more great things. We see it in Scripture, hints of it later on. But I want to point out in verse 10, they didn't wait around to follow the will of God. Because now Paul's prepared, he's ready, he's got the experience. God says, now I want you to go to a place way different from where you've been. I want you to go over there to Macedonia. Get into Europe and start doing it there. He knew God had called. He knew what God wanted because he was already doing it. And God just says, now what you've learned, I want you to do there. We make a dichotomy. This is a big deal for me. And this is more for people that are in it that talk about a lot than most folks. But... We make a big dichotomy between missions and the church. And that is a false thing to do. The church is missions. And it's whether you do it where you grew up or do it somewhere you didn't grow up or do it in a different culture or a different place. But it's the same thing no matter where you do it. We used to call what we now call evangelism missions. Because we understood it's just the church being the church wherever God plants you. So where you're planted, be the church. Do what God's called, and that is to be his witness there. I, earlier, I, I said I was going to say two things. I have an illustration I wanted to give. And in, in a previous church, a man worked with me, and he was a, an education pastor. And, uh, and he was telling me about his call, and he was an adult. He was working in a business uh, a, called a low-voltage Installer. He knew all about computers. He could install networks in your buildings. Uh, he knew all that kind of thing, and I can't even describe it. That's how ignorant I am of it. I, I have figured out how to turn it on and off, and that's about it. And so he felt this call of God, and he finished his college degree, and he was about to go to seminary, and and literally he kept working, but he was going to go to seminary at, because of the way it worked out, he could. He could drive there and do things. It was close enough he could drive it every day. And it was crazy what he did. But he did that. And just the time he was about to go to school and do all of that, his boss came to him and said, Hey, listen, man, we just got a contract. And if you'll just give me a year, you need to go out to Colorado somewhere for one year and do this job. And you have a guaranteed salary of a million dollars. And I know that you feel a call to ministry and you're going to leave. But man, you won't have to worry about money after that. You can get this million dollars and then it'll only delay you a year. And he said, God called. I can't wait. I've got to go. And instead of taking a million dollar job, he started going to seminary. That's crazy. In the world's view, that is nuts. But God's call won't wait. And God's call was a call to prepare, and so He did. Might have been a different day. Might could have today. You know, well, I can do that and do it online, all that. And that's fine. I mean, a lot of people do that. It's great. But I'm just telling you His story. Here, here's what I want you to apply this be a Christian first, wherever you are. Wherever you are, be a Christian. I, I said I was going to read it. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 3. What Paul says about his credentials. I mentioned how God led me into ministry and what I was doing before I ever became a pastor. In Philippians 3, he's talking about being thankful. and He begins in verse 3, he says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God... And glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. See, when we don't want to know the will of God, we're saying to God, I know better than you and I've got to take care of me in this world. You don't trust God to take care of you. My friend, let God take care of him instead of taking care of himself. Verse 4, though I find I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also... If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Very few people knew their tribe in Paul's day. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as trash. And actually that word means dung heap. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law of it. That which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. Do you see how Paul wanted to be identified in Christ? To know him. To make him known. To suffer as Christ suffered. And be joined with him in his death. And the last verse says. That by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Be a Christian first. Don't work on your own, don't work it out of your own flesh. Work it by the grace of God. Secondly, seek God daily for his will. Every day. Don't say, hey, I'm gonna do this today. Ask God, what do you want me to do today? And thirdly, when God speaks, don't hesitate. I promise you, if you ask God to do something for you, he's gonna do it. <laughs> That's why we're scared. We're afraid. We don't ask God for his will because we're afraid he's gonna tell us. And we think the worst thing could happen is I have to go to some foreign nation, be separated from my kids. I am separated from two of my children. I thank God it's in a day where we can go on WhatsApp and talk to them live and see our grandkids. But it's not the same as hugging them, holding them, and seeing it in person. I, I think about those missionaries that left and you didn't hear anything from them for decades. Didn't know what was going on. Very little. What a sacrifice they made. But as a parent, I know what it means to want your kids to be close to you. And we're so afraid of losing our kids, whether to to death or to some ministry service, that we grab hold of them, won't let them go. And we don't actually mean it when we say we gave them to God. We want to be famous. I, 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 I literally said that when they asked me, are you hoping the end becomes a preacher like you? I said, no, like a preacher like Reggie White. But there are people who live that out. There was an article running around Facebook, at least the ones I look at, and it said, when does ball become Baal? Where we worship, we want our kids to be famous and great and all that. Why don't you let God decide what they ought to be? Because God can do stuff nobody expects. I won't give the illustration for that because to too just my team, but I've seen God do that. So where are our children? Are we losing missionaries and pastors and workers today because of our own selfish desire to hold on to them? Are we not workers ourselves because of our selfish desire to spend our time on ourselves and our hobbies and what we like instead of what God wants? There's a balance in the Christian life, I get that, but listen. The day you die, you won't be thinking about any of that. What you'll be thinking about is, what did I not do that I could have done for Christ? We got 26, 28, 26 people in Puerto Rico today. Some of those kids, I'm praying. And if they're your kids, I apologize, but I don't apologize. I'm praying God will touch their lives and speak to them. And that they'll say, I'm going to follow God no matter the cost. I say that, it sounds like in a bragging way. I thank God for people like my sister and brother-in-law who made it possible for me to do what God asked me to do. Took care of my mom, my dad, when I couldn't be there. I thank God for that. But that's the promise of Jesus. No man in this life has surrendered this and this and this that God didn't return it to him, hundredfold. And so I honor them for doing the will of God that he called them to do so I could do the will of God God called me to do. What they did is no less than what I do. My son, if he does become a businessman successful, is no less than what God asked me to do as long as he's doing what God asked him to do. And there's no small job when it's the job God gave you. Amen? But make sure it's the job God gave you. And if it's not, then ask him, how do I get to where you want me to be?